Alrighty, let's get into it. Thomas, welcome along. Hopefully some other people show up sometime. But otherwise we'll just rant away here, you and me, which is just fine. So I've had this question come up a few times and over the last week it came up from quite a few people. So I thought it was about time to do this one. And the question is kind of what does confidence actually look like? How will I know when I'm there? And how can I tell when other people have it? I thought that was actually a pretty good question because when I was much younger, I thought like almost everybody was confident and I wasn't. I was just kind of like, there was something wrong with me. I had some sort of disorder and everybody else was pretty much cruising except for some obvious exceptions like, you know, suicidal people or drug addicts or something. But even a lot of them, when I met them in person, I always felt intimidated by them. Like they seemed so sure of themselves or they would dominate me in conversation. And I just got the sense that maybe I didn't know if everyone else was technically confident, but I knew they were more than me, which gave me the impression of being like at the bottom of the pack. <clears throat> Fast forward a decade or so of self-development, and I'm now at the opposite conclusion. Not that I'm at the top of the pack, but that most people are not confident at all that most people are plagued by insecurities are owned by their fears that the majority of the de their decisions are made from a non-valued place that most people don't live with integrity and that nearly everyone is putting on a big show they're pretending and confident people just don't pretend and the funny thing is now that i sort of know that it's Beyond debate, it's so obvious when you just take the time out of your own securities to look at somebody else, you'll see it. You'll see it in the way they dress, the way they talk, what choices they make in their career and their relationships and their friendships, how they treat their bodies, how they look after their mind. You'll see it. Most people are living quite poorly compared to what could be, you know, the potential. Most people are living a lie. You know, they're, they're trying to fit in or trying to stand out. Whatever they're doing, they're trying very hard. And once you see that, it can do two things for you. One is it can give you a sense of self-acceptance. Like maybe I'm not that weird after all with my confidence issues. Maybe this is actually a human condition. And the second thing is it can help you connect with people. We go actually, you know, we've, we've all got this together. Here we are all fighting against each other, competing with each other, trying to beat each other. And yet we've all got the same fucking problem and maybe we could be helping each other instead. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to achieve with this webinar, but what I'm going to try to do is give you some general principles of what real confidence looks like. This is again going to be very opinionated. This is what I think. You know, because there's just not solid research on this because most confidence-based scientific research is self-report. It's what someone says they feel, uh, what someone believes the word confidence means and so on. But we're going to have a look at some general principles of, of people who I've, I've deemed to be very confident and people who have done lots of work on themselves and ended up in a good place, the kind of things they all have in common. <clears throat> and then the comparison I'm not going to look at what very unconfident people look like necessarily, but I'm going to look at what can appear to be confidence but isn't, how we get uh, fooled by people. 
and mistakenly make these people our role models when actually they were never confident in the first place. They're just putting on a really good show or we were distracted by certain elements of their life or their lifestyle that made us think they must be confident, but it actually wasn't evidence of anything. So we're going to talk a little bit about how we can be conned into thinking somebody is highly confident when uh, actually they're just tricky, essentially. And to know the difference between that and someone who really is confident, because what, one of the main things that we're going to find is I was, I was trying to find some role models, and I'm going to play some video clips <clears throat> in the second half of this from people who I've come to the conclusion uh, are truly confident, and they're high-profile people as well, you know, celebrities and, and so on. But it was actually it was quite hard to find a good list. Partly because I don't know them personally. So, I mean, it's hard to say an actor is highly confident because you know they're good at faking stuff. So who knows? They could be like a master manipulator. Um, but there's some certain signs you can see that just somebody trying to look good wouldn't do. But the, the, the point I'm trying to make here is that the truly confident people you're going to find in your life might not be high-profile celebrities. That might not be the place to look for role models. The role models might be in your town. They might be <clears throat> in the classes and courses you do. They might be within Brojo. There might be no-name people who nobody follows on Instagram and nobody worships, but they're doing it right. And one of the reasons they don't have a big following is because they don't give a fuck. They don't care about trying to be followed. They lead without caring about following. Um, and that's one of the key things I learned in my journey was that to find the role models I needed for confidence, I had to look a bit more carefully and, and move away from the, the glitz and the glamour of high profile people and find the real life people down in the dirt who are satisfied each day that they come home from work and they stand up for what they really believe in. And, and they, they don't give a fuck if they're not known, if they're not rich and they're not famous and they're not powerful. They're so sorted in themselves that they don't need any of that extra stuff. And these people often live quiet, often even mundane looking lives. Some of them do live quite exciting, interesting lives too. There's no kind of um, lifestyle that guarantees any one thing. But once you have a look at these principles, maybe it'll be easier for you to find role models nearby. Even though, as I said before, I truly believe they are rare that most people are actually doing it wrong and you've got to figure it out on your own to some extent, which is why we put Brojo together so that maybe we could condense some of that support and not have to go looking at false idols. <clears throat> Let's get straight into it. Uh, Thomas, anytime you want to jump in, you can just chuck it in the chat box as usual. Yeah. So let's start with general principles. I made a list. It's not the full list. I, I sort of ran out of ideas, but this is a list of, of things that you're going to see consistently in confident people. Things to look for beyond their kind of shiny appearance. The, one of the biggest ones I think is they sacrifice outcomes for integrity. They'd rather do what's right than win. Okay. They're the, Kind of people like a great example of this, Nelson Mandela, he went to jail for almost, God, it was a long time. I think it was almost 30 years and he didn't have to. He did it to stand up for what he believes in, right? 
he could have had a great easy life, especially for a black South African. Um, but he forfeited that because he believed in something greater than himself. Hey, Christian, good to see you, bro. Hi, how you guys doing? Good, good. <clears throat> we're just, um, we're pretty much, I've just done my preamble and now we're getting to the general principles of what confidence looks like. You know, so what to look for in a role model. So sacrificing outcomes for integrity. Somebody's willing to lose, look bad, whatever, in order to do what they believe is right to stand up for themselves. I'll just mute you while you're typing, Chris, and you can jump back in if you need to chat. Um, and there was, when I looked through the general principles, there was a lot of that kind of theme, this willingness to lose something, to have something more meaningful. So willingness to appear to be weak, to be judged as weak, to be judged as anything that's not cool, uh, in order to be honest. So, one of the most confusing factors around confidence when I was growing up is the people who appeared to be flawless and strong and untouchable. I found it really difficult to, um, to realize that they were faking it, that somebody who appears unaffected all the time must be lying at some point unless they're psychopathic. So a confident person isn't someone who doesn't have weaknesses. They're someone who's okay with you seeing them. In fact, they probably don't even call them weaknesses. It's just part of who they are. Yeah. So this is one of the ones where it's most easy to get confused because the people we often call confident are the ones who appear to not be weak in any way, but they're actually being deceptive, which a confident person wouldn't bother to do because they don't care what you think. Another principle is a, is a kind of consistency, an absence of contradiction or hypocrisy. You know, and not a total absence because everyone's human. But a confident person generally has a very consistent, predictable type of reaction. They never surprise you with like a shocking betrayal or anything like that. There's, no, there's never going to be a huge scandal about a, a genuinely confident person unless somebody contrives it and, and tries to get them with some falsehood. You know, you know what you're going to get with a confident person. They can't shock you because they're consistent. Now, Terrible people can be consistent too. Hitler was pretty consistent. So none of these things are like guaranteed as a single factor. It's more like the more that they tick on this list, the more trustworthy they are as this is genuinely a confident person. One of my favorites is the role model. There's someone who does it rather than tells it. They lead by example and charisma. They don't try to dominate. They don't try to convince or, or manipulate. They just do it. Okay, it's like Marcus Aurelius says, uh, let's stop arguing about what a good man is, just be one. Right? This is what confident people kind of live this way. They're not, they don't have enough time to tell you how to live in a sense. They're so busy doing it themselves. You can just watch them do it. Yeah. And some of especially what I call naturally confident people who just had the right genetics and right upbringing to never have the massive insecurities that most of us have, they can't even explain how they do it. When people aren't living that way, they're kind of baffled by it. Like when someone lies, they're like, why would you lie? They don't even understand why someone would do that. They've never had the need to. You know, but why would you do a job you don't like? They just, they don't get it. <clears throat> I've found that quite often when naturally confident people, you know, my, uh, my cousin's girlfriend's like this. She's fucking blunt, real honest and very, very dominant without trying. 
And when somebody like pretends to be something, like I was talking to her about what nice guy syndrome is and stuff. And she was like, I, I don't get it. Why would you do that? It didn't, it's never occurred to her to try and please other people. It's like some alien concept to her. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so that's what they do. They role model. They just go and live the way. If you were to watch them with secret cameras hidden in their house, you wouldn't be surprised. They'd just be doing it on camera, off camera. You know, they're, they're the same person. They're consistently living the way. They don't need to tell you how to do it. You can just watch. Andrew, good to see you, bro. Um, another one, this one isn't a guarantee, but I'd call it contained emotional energy. And what I mean is that not that somebody suppresses their emotion because they definitely don't do that, but they're on top of it. There's minimal fluctuation in their mood. They don't go spiking high and crashing down to low. They're not hugely reactive to the little things in life. They can feel great passion for stuff. They can feel great sadness and so on, but they don't fluctuate like most people do this kind of spiking on the graph and they don't flatline like people who are suppressed do. They just got this kind of nice wave going where when something happens to them, they've got, they've mastered that kind of mindfulness reaction. I can't wait. Is this a big deal or what's going on here? And they can maintain rationality and cool in the face of like quite emotional situations. So sometimes very energetic hyper people can appear to be confident because they're very extroverted and loud, but actually what they're showing is somebody who's carried away on a wave of emotion. They're actually out of control when they're like that. Okay. Or they're performing. This is an act. You can see this in the people who run um, those, those pyramid like MLM scheme things when they do a, a live seminar for their peeps, they often it's fireworks and they're screaming and they're shouting. That's not confidence. That's performance and manipulation. <clears throat> Basically they're calm. Confident people are generally quite calm, but that's not the same as being suppressed. It's a hard difference to see. But one thing is a confident person might cry in front of you, but they won't ball their eyes out all day long. Okay. They'll move on. Um, Confident people tend to pay attention and listen carefully. I found that insecure people are so wrapped up with the noise in their heads that they struggle to be present. They struggle to listen. They struggle, or they're so conservative in their psychology, so locked in on their ideas that they're resistant to any outside influence. So they don't pay attention as a defense. Confident people are so secure with what they've got going on here that they're happy for it to be influenced because they know if they're, they're going to filter it. They're only going to take in what's good. And also they've got all this shit sorted. So now they're ready to see what else is out there. And there's a, there's an ability. You'll know it when you're, when you're talking to a confident person, you'll feel like you're very interesting. The way they pay attention to you, their curiosity. Um, now again, this isn't all of them all the time. Some people are extroverted and confident and they just kind of blast out there and they can't help themselves. Um, but generally a confident person is actually willing to listen even to their enemies, you know, especially to their enemies. Confident people are open to being wrong. I'm going to show you some examples later on. Um, Jordan Peterson's a great one for this, you know, in debate, you'll see him. If someone throws a curveball at him, he actually stops and thinks about it. And sometimes he'll go, you know what? I think you got me there. Very few debaters 
have the have the humility to do that okay and one of the reasons that this is both a symptom and a cause of confidence is because if you're open to being wrong you constantly upgrade all the time every time a better idea comes in you quickly discard your old idea and take on the better one a very flexible psychology <clears throat> people often think of confidence as a rigid psychology somebody who blasts through everybody and doesn't change but that's actually a very insecure kind of lock down the fort style of psychology. You know, somebody who's confident is willing for the doors to be open because they want the good stuff in, like I said before. So they're willing to lose and learn. There is no losing in their world, in fact. Everything is either they help someone or someone helped them. Win, 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 win all the time. Yeah. There's a kind of live and let live with confident people. They might disagree and assert themselves, but it's without force. They are okay with not changing you. Uh, they're okay with uh, you fighting back. They don't get defensive. They want you to respect the way they live, but they won't try and force you to live that way. Their, their focus is on controlling themselves, not other people, but they won't let other people control them either. It's kind of like, for me, that's the definition of respect, live and let live. You know, and the most confident people can even develop a compassion and empathy for the kind of people that most of us think of as the worst. You know, prisoners, terrorists, bankers, whatever. Most confident people can actually have some compassion for those people as well. Maybe not tolerance for their behavior, but they'll be like, well, that's their life, their choice. I'll leave it with them. And they're not defensive in the face of a personal attack. You can see this, like, if you ever watch, like, TV-style debates, like uh, someone, like, Pierce Morgan interviewing someone and being really harassive, harassing, um, and the person starts, like, their face starts going red and they start, like, counter-attacking because they've taken something personally. <clears throat> Confident people generally know that an attack on them is not personal. It's got nothing to do with them. They don't have to defend themselves. They're not actually under attack in any real way. They just, it just seems to roll off them. Sam Harris, the neuroscientist, is like that. You know, people are like, but you're a fucking Islamophobic. And he's like, no, I'm not. But you can believe that if you want. He's just sort of untouched by it. <clears throat> Thomas says, do you think a truly confident person could come across as arrogant? Absolutely, but more importantly, is often arrogant people are not truly confident. We're going to talk a little bit, we're going to give some examples, <clears throat> Donald Trump, soon, and we're going to have a look at what someone who looks very confident without being it um, appears as. Um, but yeah, for very insecure people, they can feel dominated by confident people, but what they're actually doing is they're stepping backwards. The confident person isn't stepping into them. Confident person is staying still and they're scared and they step backwards and it feels like domination. Like if you shut up at the meeting because one guy's got great ideas, he actually wouldn't interrupt you and talk over you if you talked, if he was truly confident. But because you won't talk, he just keeps talking. He fills the space. So quite often an unconfident person will feel like they're being bullied or that there's arrogance happening when actually the space is there for them to step into this, not stepping into it. You'll know it's an arrogant person is when you try to step into the space that's kind of rightfully yours and they push over it. They squash it. 
confident people won't do that. Confident person will let you talk as long as you let them talk too. You know, they'll have that respect. Confident people choose pain to grow. They have a disdain for instant gratification. There's very little vice in a very confident person. They're not looking for that quick high. They're looking for the long-term delayed gratification. The, the, the sense of righteousness that comes from living with integrity. That's what they're invested in. You know, very few truly confident people are addicts in any major way. Um, or, or try to like solve their emotions with quick fixes or anything like that. Or take like an instant win over um, an uncomfortable long-term gain. Doesn't mean that they forego all pleasure. It's just that they know that they have to earn the real pleasure and they're happy to pay that price. They bounce back quickly from being upset. Doesn't mean they don't get upset. They doesn't mean they don't get depressed or anxious or angry or whatever they do, but they don't dwell. They don't make it bigger than it needs to be. It doesn't last longer than a natural, it's natural course. They just be it, express it, move on. Okay, like that pissed me off, but we're good now. All right, fine. Whereas a very unconfident person will either pretend they weren't hurt at all, or they'll dwell on it for days, weeks, months, maybe even years. You know? There's very little blaming or complaining from a confident person. They don't care why it happened or who did it. They're focused on just getting on with it. They, they bring themselves to the present very quickly. Okay, shit is a mess. doesn't matter how it got here because it's here. So what are we going to do about it? Let's move on. Or do we just need to accept it and let go of this thing because we can't do shit about it? That's the kind of questions they're asking. Those very responsible slash acceptance type questions. Whereas that victim mentality is like, who do I pin this on? How do I get out of having to do anything about it? Why is this happening to me? Why is the world so unfair? Now, confident people don't bother with those questions. And as, as we go through these principles, you can see you could actually engage in these behaviors to make them true. You know, when something goes wrong, you could choose to blame or figure out who's to blame. Or you could just get on with it. And in that moment, you're choosing whether or not you're confident. And so quite often, confident people are just quickly choosing that option, that confident option. They choose to bounce back quickly and get on with life rather than dwell on things. You know, they choose to be open to being wrong rather than like fight a losing position. These are just choices that they make that we could all make. These people are not particularly gifted. They don't have anything you don't have. Right? It's not like we're intellectually disabled in comparison with these people. Some of these people are intellectually disabled. You know, I've met some very confident people with Down syndrome. They just make the right choices at the right time. That's all. And they do it consistently and frequently. Confident people, in my opinion, this is a very opinion, I mean, this whole thing's opinionated, but this one, they manage their health well. It doesn't mean they have a six pack of abs necessarily. I sure don't. But it means that their mind and their body are things that they respect and they treat with respect and love. They try to put the right things in there. They pay attention to what's happening. They get their health issues sorted as quickly as possible. 
for example, a, a confident person can have depression, but they won't become a drug addict because of it. They'll go see the doctor and they'll go see a therapist and they'll get through it as quickly as possible. They'll do the right, they'll deal with it the, the, the healthiest way possible that they can find. Okay. Or if they have an injury, they won't lie up on the couch for the rest of their life, nor will they go and overexert themselves and destroy that injured part of their body. They'll just work around it and do whatever healthy things they can in spite of this. You know, I've got a very confident friend who's in a wheelchair, so he just does upper body workouts all the time. Right? And he was like, immediately after his motorcycle accident, he was basically into trying to figure out, okay, so I've got half my body to work with, what's the best way to work with that half? And when he gets all the, the health problems that you get with being in a wheelchair all the time, kind of sores and stuff like that, he just goes to the hospital, gets it sorted straight away. He takes good care of himself, even though it's kind of, as he says, only half of him to take care of. Right? It doesn't matter what you got. You don't have to be a certain level of health to be confident. You just have to manage whatever you've got very well and respect yourself. And last one I've got on the list, but by no means the last one available, is being emotionally a shameless and expressive. I think this is the reason I left this to last is I wanted that lingering memory of this one more than anything else. A huge commonality in people with confidence issues is one or more emotions are suppressed as a general principle, or they drown in their emotions. They're owned by them. They just fall to pieces with every emotion they get. And quite often people can be both. They suppress emotion and then they drown in it. Like a person who holds back all their anger and then they snap. Right? A person who holds in all their sadness and then gets depression. Confident people, whatever they feel, it's no better or worse than being happy. Everything's on the same hierarchy, same level. Person doesn't, a confident person doesn't think it's worse to be sad than it is to be happy. It's just a thing to be. And so they'll express it as such. And you can hear it in the way they talk. You know, most, most unconfident people say, how was your week? And they say, yeah, good, good. No, it was good. Confident person say, well, Saturday sucks shit, but Sunday was pretty good. For them, that's equal. They're talking about the same thing. Right? They, they don't want your sympathy or your pity. They're not putting in, they don't see a problem that needs to be fixed. They just, sometimes they feel out, down, sometimes they feel up. Sometimes they're dark, sometimes they're light. It's all the same. They express it as such. I'll show you, you'll see in some of the videos I've chosen for later, the way some of these guys and girls express their emotions. They talk about some of the darkest shit that you know of as if they're talking about what they had for breakfast. It's just nothing. It's no big deal. It's such not a big deal that they don't even realize that they're doing that. You know, in a minute you'll see Russell Brand talking about having an eating disorder. It just sounds like he's talking about eating. Like he doesn't even have the concept that this might be a big deal. He says, no, that's a thing that people have. You know? So I want you guys to have a think about um, other things that might appear to be on uh, the list. But what I'd like to go on to now is what I call fool's gold, which is things that look like confidence, but are either faked or they're not actually good evidence of confidence. They just look like they should be. Okay. I'm going to give you some examples of people like this. It's going to get very opinionated. Okay. <laughs> very judgmental. 
First one, good looks or a smooth image in some way. That shiny, glossy appearance that some people have with either being very pretty or handsome, but also just being well-groomed or just having a kind of reputation for being just this appearance of just never looking like shit, whatever. Okay. Now, confident people can look good too. Just because you're interested in fashion doesn't mean you're insecure, for example. You like to groom yourself doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. But generally, highly confident people put appearances right down the bottom of the, pri of the priority list. And the ones who put it at the top are the ones where the appearances is their job, like a fashionista, a makeup artist, a hairdresser. They might care a lot about appearances, but it's not to make other people like them or to give the appearance. And one way to tell the difference is somebody who looks really good is also totally fine with you seeing them looking like shit. So they might jazz themselves up for the, the big salsa ball, but they'll also go to the supermarket in their pajamas. They're fine either way. Right? This isn't about other people being, being judged. So I saw this a lot in the dance community is, you know, there's dance performers and they'd be dressed up to their tens for their performance. But then when you next see them at dance class, they look like they're homeless, right? Because they just want to look comfortable. They just want to be comfortable. Whereas there are other people, the same exact dancing, that look like they're going to perform no matter when you saw them. They wouldn't answer the front door unless they were jazzed up. That's not a good sign of confidence. Next one is hedonism. So people who have the party lifestyle and seem to be having an awesome good time all the time. Okay. Often this is seen as a sign of success, of the good life. But in my opinion, I can stop saying that. Everything I say today is in my opinion, okay? There's no proof of any of this. Um, confident people practice restraint, delayed gratification. They do rich, deep, meaningful things rather than sort of petty highs. Right? They don't need their lifestyle to look good. A very confident person might have a mundane job with the wife and the kids and the white picket fence and a vacation once every three months. That could be a very confident person. And the person who's rocking every party in the world might be deeply insecure and often they are. This one I think I would have thought was self-evident, but actually I was fooled by it when I was younger. I think somebody has an awesome party-filled lifestyle, especially when I was a teenager. thought, that guy's living it up. And now I think if you're drinking and getting drug and drunk, uh, if you're drinking and taking drugs and constantly bombarding yourself with loud noises and impressive sights and sounds and just kind of drowning in stimulus, something's wrong with you. You're, you're avoiding something very dark with that endless noise, that cacophony of approval and stimulation. You know, there's a quietness with confident people. It doesn't mean that they're quiet necessarily. It's just that they need very little to be satisfied because their satisfaction is in the way they live. So the external stuff is kind of the distraction. They don't need the flash car or any of that stuff. Right. Grandiosity, the person who convinces, you, convinces us that they're awesome. The person that dominates, uh, that brags and boasts and constantly going on about their achievements. Now, 
Confident people will also talk about their achievements and they'll talk about their weaknesses and all of these things are seen as the same. They're not falsely modest, but they are humble. Okay. A grandiose person. I remember first seeing this kind of wave of this culture come out of America when I was quite younger and I was very in stark contrast to New Zealand culture. There's all these uh, American rappers going, I'm the fucking best and I'm fucking rich and all this. I'm like, I can't believe these guys talk like this. You know, like you get your ass kicked in New Zealand for talking like that. In New Zealand, you have to be like, oh, I don't have anything and I'm useless to be accepted. You know, it was weird. You couldn't boast or brag in New Zealand and get away with it, or at least not where I was living. And then it became the norm. Ten years later, everybody's doing that. Everybody's going on about how awesome they are. Um, that one should be obvious. If someone's convincing you of how awesome they are and bragging and boasting and showing off, they're obviously not happy within themselves. They need somebody else to give them a pat on the back. They need a, an applause from the audience. You know, Especially if their grandiosity is also false, if they actually think of themselves as better than they really are. Somebody says, I'm the best dancer ever, and you've watched them dance, you're like, actually, he's pretty fucking average. You know, there's a delusion happening there. There's a distance from reality these people are living in. Confident people live right here in reality. Yeah. And that, that sort of goes on to comparison and winning competitions. Confident person does not need to beat others. There is no competition. Certainly not one with anybody else. That doesn't mean that they don't participate in competitions. It could be that Usain Bolt is very confident. Okay. But you only know Usain Bolt's confident if he's equally happily happy with a loss as a win. As long as he ran his best. Because a confident person isn't there to get the gold medal. They're there to engage in the sport that they love. You know, if you want a great example of that kind of like the winning people who aren't actually confident, read Andre Agassi's autobiography. I think it's called, it's got a, what the fuck's it called? Open. It's called Open. And basically, Andre Agassi hated tennis the entire time he's played it since he was a little boy. He's hated it. But he was just obsessed with winning. His losses crushed him. And his wins were like a sort of brief high. He was just obsessed. He can remember every loss he's ever had. And he's played literally thousands of games. That's not confidence. And he says so himself. He's a deeply insecure person. He needed to win to believe he was a good person. Yeah. Bullying, kind of an obvious one. But often these are the kids we thought were most confident in the school. The ones who dominated everybody else. Made fun of everybody. Ridiculed you. And yet, it should be obvious. A confident person would never do that. Never. A confident person would never deliberately harm someone else for their own gain. There's no need to if they're satisfied with themselves. Confident people don't need to control or dominate others. Okay. And they wouldn't allow it to happen either. A confident person wouldn't allow you to breach their values right in front of them without saying anything. So all those bullies who bullied you aren't confident and all the people who let them do it aren't either. The confident kid was the one who said, hey, you guys, you should stop this. And got his ass kicked for it, you know. That was the only confident kid in the whole high school probably. 
Just because someone's dominant, just because they're the boss, doesn't mean that they are secure in themselves. And unfortunately, in the modern world, we'll talk about this in a minute, it can often actually mean the opposite. Someone came to dominance and power because of deep insecurities. People use intelligence as a defense. This is a really intimidating one for people with social anxiety or introverts or people who struggle to argue and articulate themselves. Those people just throw what's called a word salad at you. They use big words. They're very articulate and poetic and very well-versed, and they just dominate you with language. You're just bowled over by it. You're, you're scared to even get involved. It's intimidating. You notice they don't listen. They're not trying to bring their language to a level that you can understand. They're trying to confuse you and baffle you with their language. They're trying to show that they're more intelligent. A confident person doesn't try to show you that. They want to hear what you have to say too. And if what, you, what they're saying isn't understood, they'll change it until it is. I think Einstein's quoted was saying, if you can't explain something simply, then you don't really understand it. The truly intelligent, confident people explain themselves very simply. Neil deGrasse Tyson, Sam Harris, these guys have brains the size of a planet, and yet they can talk about physics and neuroscience to you in a way you'll understand even if you're a layperson. They don't need to impress you with words. Whereas like uh, Nicholas Tlaib or, um, God, what's that wannabe guru guy? I've forgotten his name briefly. He's lots of big words, lots of syllables, lots of fancy science terms, and they're just talking out of their ass. They don't know shit. Trying to dominate with confusion. Confident people aim to help everybody understand everything. Themselves, you, everybody. They want everyone to win in this situation. Extroversion, loudness, dominance. It doesn't necessarily come from an insecure place, but it can confuse you into thinking someone's confident when they're not. Okay. Confident people move along the spectrum, introversion to extroversion, loud to quiet, as needed. If someone's just stuck on one, it could just be a strong personality trait, but it could also be their like attack defense mechanism. Some people are like extroverted as a show of force. They just bowl through everything because they can. They're very loud and aggressive and self-centered. And that wouldn't be confidence. Truly confident extrovert knows when to shut up. You know, a great example of this, Richard Branson, clearly an extrovert. Clearly a very sort of like showy guy. But when it comes to his team meetings, he listens. He learns from his supporters. That's why he's so successful in business. He talks about it all the time. He's like, I always want to be the dumbest person in the room. Right? So he can push, but then he can pull back as well. You have no doubt that he would fire you if you fucked up your job, but he'd also care for you if, if something bad happened at work. You can go hard and soft. People are hard all the time. Generally, at least at some point, it's an act. And there are even some people who are fully introverted and yet pretend to be dominant and extroverted all the time. They can even convince personality testing. A friend of mine I was just talking to online just admitted to that. 
he appears to be very extroverted all the time. He says, I'm definitely an introvert. Like this is a constant performance. I'm exhausted by it. Showboating, you know, people who seem to seek the limelight, who steal attention. They sort of bring that to them all the time. Now, sometimes this can be natural charisma, but usually natural charisma is also a giving thing. They give other people the limelight. They let other people take the glory as well. They share it around. Showboating people want you to be, you know, the audience all the time. And confident people are fine with going unnoticed. If it means doing the right thing, they're fine with it. I remember my first time I had to practice this myself, which was I was running a team and I'd go to the, the manager's meeting and people would be praising me for my team's performance. And I'd have to go, no, no, it's them. You know, I'm, I'm a small part of this and actually give up that glory. Let them get the certificates and the mention in the company newsletter or whatever, rather than some of my manager friends I saw where one of their team members was particularly productive and the manager stole it. Said, well, it's my team. I trained them. It's me. You know, very insecure thing to do. A very just shitty thing to do. <clears throat> Staunch or unaffected people. Like I said, there's a difference between someone who's calm and in control of their emotions versus someone who's suppressing them. Someone who seems to be unaffected by everything. Um, they're probably faking it. Okay, and they're faking it to make you think they're unaffected by things. They're trying. As confident people, they're happy for you to see them feeling whatever they're feeling. They just manage it well. That's all. So they'll cry when they're sad and they'll get grumpy and angry and they'll be a bit high and light when they're happy and down and morose when they're thinking deeply or depressed, but they handle it. They just don't hide it. <clears throat> There's a couple more that are easy for us to confuse. Someone who achieves highly and is really disciplined. Okay. Now confident people can be high achievers who are disciplined. But this is one of the ones that a lot of people use to fake confidence. They just find something they're very good at and they win at it a lot and they stick to it rigidly. Uh, a good example could be a bodybuilder. Now some bodybuilders are genuinely confident. Others very successful, but it comes from a deep insecurity and yet they achieve very highly and they're very disciplined. So high achievement and discipline isn't a guaranteed sign of confidence. It's more like competence. They can manage their behavior. Okay. Uh, Christian says, are you saying that confident people are humble and meek? Not meek. Okay. But they'll be quiet when there's no need to be loud. They, they move on the spectrum. They're not one thing. Okay. Confident person will not brag about what they've achieved, but they won't lie about it either. So I achieved that, case closed. And I failed that, case closed. Then I go on about it and try to convince you of anything. Okay. The humility part is they don't think they're better than they are and they don't think they're worse than they are. They're realistic and honest. You know, I could be better at that and I did win that competition. Right. They're not like, I'm always the best or like, oh my God, I suck at everything. And what about people that have huge self-belief and they're vocal about it? 
people having huge self-belief is confidence. People are very vocal about it. It's a red flag for me. Especially when they seem to be trying to convince you of it. Like those people, the most ironic people, the ones who are like, I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. Really? Why'd you say it then? Who are you trying to convince? Now, it's one of the most classic cases. All the people that go on and on, like, you just got to believe in yourself. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, where'd you get that from? Facebook? Only someone who doesn't understand that would say it. Only someone who doesn't understand how difficult self-belief is would go on about it like it's easy. Right. How do confident people handle receiving compliments? Generally, they say thanks, but they're not looking for them. Unconfident people bat them down. I've got a whole video on this, so I won't go into it. Unconfident people either bat them down or they seek them. They're trying to get compliments or trying to fight against them. As a confident person doesn't really see a compliment as any particular worth. They measure themselves in other ways. Compliments are just subjective opinions. They're not really helpful. The last thing that can be confusing is somebody has a big following. So somebody's a leader of a big organization or, or has a lot of worship and popularity. Now, again, a truly confident person can have this. Uh, Nelson Mandela. You know, he did he had a massive fucking following, but he wasn't trying to get a following. In fact, he gave it all up at one point just to live by his values. But even the worst people can be leaders, charismatic gurus, without being truly secure in themselves and without having value and integrity. I found in general, and it's not a rule, but in general, confident people have, tend to have a smaller niche of followers or they're accidental leaders. They're not trying to lead. They're just people can't stop following. I think Jordan Peterson's a great example of that. I don't agree with everything Jordan Peterson says, but he wasn't trying to build a following. He's just trying to be honest about everything. <clears throat> now he's got this following. He isn't even trying to make it anything. He isn't trying to make it his own little brojo or anything like that. He just keeps putting himself out there honestly and people worship him and follow him. He's just an accidental leader. You know, but somebody's trying to get a following. It's just a red flag, that's all. None of these things are guarantees. And of course, there's no such thing as a purely perfect, confident person. Everybody's got faults. What you're looking for is kind of like the overall consistency. What are they most? I don't want this to go on for too long. I want to get onto the confident role models and little video clips that I found of them. And here's some really opinionated stuff. I want to give you a list of one, two, three, four, five people who a lot of people think of as confident, and I absolutely don't believe they are. I think it's all an absolute act. Now, before I go on to this and the other confident role models that I've got later on, you don't have to like or dislike these people personally. This isn't about that. You don't have to agree or disagree with them. It's not about that. It's just about inner self-confidence, whether or not they have it. So there are some very unconfident people that I like and agree with. And there's some very confident people that I don't, don't like and wouldn't want to have a beer with, but I can respect the confidence level either way. Donald Trump, leader of the free world, very successful and powerful, but he lies for effect. He's got something like over 10,000 verified lies since he came into office. 
He's more concerned with winning than helping. He does whatever gives him popularity with his followers. There's no real sense of consistency in him. What does he actually stand for? Because he contradicts himself all the time with his policies. He has a disassociative language style. You notice if you ever see what he said written down, it doesn't make any sense. What the fuck is he even saying? This is very common in psychopaths. They just blurt and ramble because they don't give a fuck what the truth is. They're trying to say things that sound interesting to them. And they often, because of the way their brain is compartmentalized, as they start to say something, it gets locked off in a compartment. And then they start to say something else and it's a separate compartment. And what you get is these blocks of language that don't relate to each other. And you can see this in, especially in his verbal presentation when Donald Trump speaks. He's got these blocks of speech, but they don't relate to each other. It doesn't make any real sense. He doesn't say anything. He's just kind of rambling with these noises. Right? Very rich and powerful and successful, though, isn't he? But actually, the, you know, when we look at the list that I talked about before, sacrificing outcomes for integrity, you know, willing to appear weak, open to being wrong, he's none of those things. Ever. Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. Very popular, very famous, successful, but hedonistic. He lives on his highs. Sees people as resources. He destroyed a lot of lives. The movie was very entertaining, but what you didn't see is how many people got completely fucked by him. Their lifestyles destroyed, families torn apart. For him, it was funny to make a movie about it. Instant gratification seems to be all that matters for him. He just wants to feel good right now. He thrives on deception. To this day, he's putting out courses on how to manipulate people. And his sales techniques are very manipulative. They're all about psychological influence, not about actually selling something decent. He doesn't give a fuck what you're selling. He also has shown on a number of times to have, um, I forget what it's called, it's a smugness that manipulative people do. If you watch their face carefully when they're telling you a lie, they can't help but give a little smile because they got you and they just love it. And he does that quite often in interviews. You can see him talk some shit and then when the interviewer starts nodding, you can see him smile, even though he's talking about something dark and awful that he's done. So he's openly manipulative. Now, he probably does like himself, okay? But that's not what I mean by confidence. Hitler liked himself too. Again, absence of contradiction or hypocrisy. Wolf of Wall Street was constantly contradicting himself. Constantly lying, promising one thing, delivering another. Looking good on the surface, turning out to be quite evil in a sense on the inside. He probably did more damage than most of the gangs in New Zealand have done financially. Kim Kardashian, one of my favorites. Very famous, pretty, popular, rich, but all about outward appearances. Yeah. Will happily whore herself just for publicity. The crowd's applause is everything. She's allowed cameras into her house 24-7 just so everybody can watch her all the time. Desperate for attention. Confident people aren't. They don't need a camera on them all the time. I would say, and this is very difficult to do from a distance, but she probably has, um, God, the name just, um, 
It's a personality, histrionic, histrionic personality disorder, the diva personality disorder. You are the show all the time and you thrive and live on it. Dan Bilzerian, you guys know him? He's got muscles, he's got beard, he shoots guns, he's rich from gambling poker, he's got 10 models fucking him at any given time, he takes drugs and parties all the time, very popular, he's the king of Instagram, very rich and successful, but hedonistic show-off. Clearly obsessed with the quantity over the quality, he wants to have it all rather than having something deep and meaningful. He gives the impression of not giving a fuck what people think, and yet he posts everything about his life all the time, and it's carefully edited, and it looks fantastic, and you never see his bad points. He's clearly obsessed with impressing other people. Why else would he spend so much time on social media proving what a good life he has? And that's besides the rumors that he actually pays models to be there to make it look like they love him and so on. But even with those sort of like, if just based on hard evidence, what you see is a guy is constantly boasting and bragging about his hedonistic lifestyle. Constantly showing off. Why? Most of the time it's not even to sell anything. You know, he started up a cannabis company, which he now uses Instagram to promote, but he was on Instagram well before he even had anything to promote. He was just promoting himself. There's no game plan there. It's just getting noticed. He's a great example of someone I actually like. You know? I, I, I mean, I like him as in he's just a wreck. I, I love train wreck people. You know, his interviews are funny where he talks about crushing four Viagras and three ecstasies into a protein shake and then going partying for three days. I mean, that's funny to me. I like guys like that, you know? But he's not a confident person. He's a very insecure person. And who here has seen the um, TV series Entourage? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's a guy named Ari Gold on there. He's a, like a high-powered agent in Los Angeles for, for movie stars. And he's actually a caricature of some real-life agents uh, in, the, in, in Hollywood. And he was sort of drawn together for this show. He's someone who's very dominant and aggressive and successful. He kind of wins by force all the time. And it's just a character on a show, but he's kind of representative of a lot of high-powered businessmen. So he's aggression. He's win at all costs. He uses humor and lies to hide his insecurities. He's obsessed with improvement, never satisfied, never present, just endless hunger and ambition, never enough for him. You know? Thomas says, why do you think people are so drawn to Trump? That's a long story. There's a lot of different reasons. Um, but partly is he knows what to say and when to say it to get people emotionally high. And that's it. People make decisions emotionally. And Trump is a master of emotional manipulation. Never make the mistake that Trump accidentally got into power. That was a very carefully orchestrated, brilliant piece of marketing and continues to this day, he will probably win the next election and it will be no mistake on his part. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows that while people can argue things logically, they will not make their decisions logically. He doesn't need to win with facts. He needs to win with feeling. 
And that's what he does. He's very good at it. Dan, don't you need some level of confidence to become the president of the most powerful nation? You'd think so, right? But there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. There's a, a great example is Tony Robbins, actually. You can see it in his interview, um, I Am Not Your Guru, one of the most ironically named fucking documentaries ever because he clearly loves being a guru. But his interviewer and the interviewer was pushing him and said, why do you do this? What's, what's the point? Why do you do this stuff? And he's giving his bullshit answers a little bit. And then he said, well, it's because I'm obsessed. And that's why he's so successful. Yeah, he's got his charisma and he's got his good ideas and he helps people. But the real reason he's is successful is because he's so obsessed with it that every waking minute of his life is dedicated to it and nothing gets in his way. But that's not confidence. That's obsession, addiction. Just like you can't get in the way of a heroin addict getting their fix. They're not confident. They're obsessed. So someone like Trump, the ultimate highest level of obsession with being in power, being seen as great, so on and so forth. He doesn't go to being president for confident reasons. And actually him being voted in gives you a pretty good state idea of the state that America is in. He represents the, their confidence as a country. Emotional highs, bickering, quick wins. It's all there in his campaign. It's, it, he's not the problem. You know, America, he's a symptom of the way America feels about itself. So you've got to be wary of rich, famous, popular, and powerful. Confident people can be these things. I absolutely believe Barack Obama is confident. Absolutely. Not flawless. Not I, I agree with him. I do kind of like him, but that's not what it's about. He's confident in himself. You can see it by the way he holds himself when he's debating, and how he sticks to policies that are unpopular and so on. But often, rich, famous, popular, and powerful comes from insecurity, not confidence. People who are rich often come from an obsession with scarcity. They're always worried that they're going to run out. So they keep compounding more. Like, does Warren Buffett need billions? Does anybody? Why would they keep collecting more? Unless they had a fear of scarcity, that one day they might lose it, or it's not enough. Popular people usually come from a fear of abandonment. They just happen to have a charisma so they could actually cure that fear on a kind of day-by-day -day basis by bringing in more people to them. Especially anybody who's popular for the sake of popularity. The Kim Kardashians of the world. I mean, what is she really? She isn't even a thing. She has, she has no talent or skill to market on. You know, Socrates was quoted as saying that um, fame is the perfume of heroic deeds. That's what fame used to be. It used to be you earned it for being awesome. It's not anymore. You know, people are just famous to be famous. A lot of serial killers, modern serial killers, their prime aim is to be known. They don't get shot by police at the end. They make sure they stay alive to bathe in the glory of being a serial killer. You know? Even powerful people, it's often an obsession with control. I want to make the world what it should be by my standards this dominance, this endless hunger to control everybody and everything. That's not confidence. 
Putin. I'd say Putin's probably a psychopath. <laughs> it's a different kettle of fish. Yeah. But the the very the very least secure people, the most insecure people in the world, can rise to the very top of our various measures. But that's because our problem is we think that that is the top. Whereas the top is the guy who's content with his life, who can't be phased. There's a guy, I think his name's Diogenes, and Alexander the Great. This is all apocryphal tale from thousands of years ago, but Alexander the Great, who basically owned the world at this point, met with, I think his name is Diogenes, who, uh, who lived in a box. He was the classic philosopher in a box. He had no personal wealth. He went around naked most of the time begging, but he was also a, you know, a, a consultant for many people, high up people, because he's just awesome in, in philosophy. And uh, there's a story where Alexander the Great meets Diogenes and he says, look, I have everything. Is there anything I can give you? Anything you want? He said, yeah, could you move to the left a little bit because you're in my son. And it was just this kind of statement which you've got nothing I want. Actually, you're kind of in my way. This guy has everything. You know, and Alexander the Great, again, this is how can you verify this? It might just be an awesome story that somebody made up. But apparently when he died, he asked that in his funeral, they let his hands hang out of the coffin so everybody could see that they were empty. This idea that he died with nothing, you know, because he doesn't get to take anything with him, which apparently he got the idea from Diogenes. So the, the, the truly confident people might not be winning on any of the scales that most people measure on, but they have the highest quality of life. They love being themselves more than anybody else. They die happy, you know. So who's really winning? I guarantee you Donald Trump is eaten alive by constant worries, constant needs and hungers just burning through him. That's why he texts all the time, that, that Twitter shit. It still blows my mind that a president uses Twitter at all. You know, that I'm still wrapping my fucking head around that. You know, it's just like, I thought that was for 14-year-old girls, you know. And... He's just constantly trying something. And that's the thing, Jordan Balfour, constantly trying. He's got all the money he'll ever need, still trying to make more. Why? Look at Bill Gates. Became the richest man in the world. Now he gives most of it away. He's, he's moved completely into humanitarian work. Right? Leonardo DiCaprio, very similar. He's like heading up all the climate change stuff. He's using his fame to like help others rather than just like basking in the fame. Quite often you'll see him promoting other people's work over his own. In fact, that's pretty much all he does now. Look at what this great team is doing with this cleanup job. Look at what these conservationists are doing with these animals. Not look at me. You know, like Dan Bilzerian does. And I've been fooled before many times. I thought Kevin Spacey was really confident. What happened with that motherfucker, right? Eh? Lewis Howes, do you guys know him? He's kind of a thought leader, guru type. I don't know exactly what's happening because it's all on the internet, but apparently he's done some pretty shady sexual assault stuff recently. Nothing's confirmed or whatever, but it's certainly not being disproven in any way. So I'm, I hold it carefully because it could be bullshit, but... I found you don't really get scandals about truly confident people. 
there's nothing to, nothing to leverage and nobody wants to do it to them. They're just too awesome, you know. It doesn't mean it can't happen. There are some. Plenty of people attacked Obama, you know what I mean? Like some of them, um, plenty of people attacked Nelson Mandela, Mahatma Gandhi. They all had their critics. But the scandalous behavior, it's very rarely smoke without a fire. Mother Teresa. You ever done the research on her? She's often the, the poster girl, woman, whatever, for like humanitarian work. And yet she's done some horrific things. She kept people sick, denied them medication, or because, you know, they're supposed to suffer for God. It's all quite well documented. And yet she's worshipped as a hero. Clearly a deeply traumatized person. Plus, nobody knows where all the money that was donated to her went because it didn't go to her hospitals. Anyway, I want to present to you one, two, three, four, five, about seven. We'll see how many we can get through. Seven role models, high profile people who I think are role models of at least an element of confidence, if not full confidence. People that sh I've found some videos of them showing what I think confidence looks like. Okay, so we can put this into kind of visual. Fact is, I don't think there are many high-profile role models that we can trust to be confident because, for a start, we don't know them personally. It could all be bullshit. And I often think the most confident people are kind of small. They have small lives. If they live with passion, assertiveness, giving, you don't hear much about them. They might be your dad. They might be your dance teacher. I've got a friend named Honza who's just living the classic nine-to-five life, and he's fucking confident ass. He loves it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't trade it for anything. He doesn't care what other people are doing. Keep in mind as I share these people that there might be some you personally don't agree with or don't like, um, but that isn't what this is about. We're just looking for their confidence. Okay? I don't agree with everything these people say or like everything about them. All right? Some of them I wouldn't want to have a beer with. Maybe, oh, no, probably all of them I would, but um, they've all got their faults. This is just about their confidence. That's all we're looking at here. So don't focus so much on who they are uh, or even what they say, but how they say it and what it must have taken in terms of values for them to say these things to an audience. Notice what their intention probably is as they express themselves. Think about their careers and how they've moved up. You're going to know a lot of these people. You don't have to like them personally. Just notice how they probably wouldn't care that you didn't. You know, that's not what they're about. Okay, let's have a look at these peeps. I'm going to do the share screen thing here. All right. Everybody know this guy? You see it? Russell Brand, yeah? Not everybody agrees with everything he says, and I think sometimes he can be a little bit full of it, but confident? Absolutely. The thing is, he's one of these guys who used to appear to be confident when he wasn't. And now I think he's since shifted and developed himself into what I'd call true confidence. And I want you to just listen to, how much did I want to listen to here? About a minute worth of what he's got to say here. As he's, what's he talking about? So at this point, he's talking about body image. Yeah, let me just make sure it's up. Body image. Don't have a perspective, I'm sure. 
did you know that I was a bit bulimic? Did you know I was a bit of a drug addict? Did you know I still sometimes don't like my body? I think oh, that bit's a bit too fat, or oh, that bit should be bigger. It's hard. I think the body positivity sometimes is if it's an abstract thing that's sort of designed, particularly to, to primarily affect the females. Particularly since Brené Brown told me that men are affected by feeling their weight, affected by body positivity. These are well, that's the way that they're attacked, whatever. Brené Brown told me. Um, but I do sometimes not feel at all positive about my own body. It's curious as the balance of power necessarily changes. So I'll just stop there. What I want you to notice, notice how he talked about being bulimic and having body issues as if it was nothing. Right? He sort of frowned and he just spoke about it. He could have talked that way about his feelings on politics, uh, the last restaurant he went to and what the food was like. There was no shame in it. He got a sense that there was something painful in it, that there was some suffering involved, but there was no shame about that suffering. And that's why I like that video clip. He's kind of showing what it's like to talk about all your darkness and that it's not fixed, it's still there, you know. Um, it's still ongoing, but that's fine. He's just a human. That's, it doesn't need to be fixed. That's the bit I want you to notice. I want you to imagine being able to talk about your own worst shit like that. To a, a massive global audience, by the way, which I'm sure he's used to because he's a public figure, but he knows a lot of people are going to just see him going, by the way, did you know I used to be bulimic? He didn't need to say that. You notice that? He didn't need you to know that for him to do this video. He could have hidden that and looked better because, you know, I've always felt good about my body and here's how I do it. And that's how a lot of gurus go, you know, I've got it sorted. He's like, no, nah, I still feel shit sometimes. He's Prefer to be honest than approved of, liked, whatever. And he didn't used to be like that. He used to be very focused on being liked, funny all the time, hedonistic lifestyle. He's since sort of settled down. He's not trying to be funny all the time. There's Russell Brand. And as you guys watch these, feel free to put your own opinions in the chat box and you don't have to agree with me. It's actually quite hard to find confidence role models I think that everyone would agree with. But let's move on to my next point. So we're going to have a look at Jordan Peterson now. There's a billion clips of his I could do. Um, and I didn't want to particularly choose one where he's educating us. I wanted to see who he is. And this one, he's been asked, how do you stay so confident, especially during conflicts? And I want you to see, uh, he, he, he's just said, it's not about trying to win. I want you to see what he says next here. Let me just uh, get this sorted. By the way, can you guys hear this all right? The videos as they play? Yeah. Do you want it to be louder? A bit laggy. All right. Hopefully the recording will be all right. Okay. So Jordan Pearson has just been asked, how do you stay confident all the time during conflicts? Yeah, I want you to just notice his response here. That's what you have. And the way you do that is with truth. And 
then that sort of takes you out of that immediacy of the conflict, whoever it is that, the conflict with whoever it is that you're talking to. You're trying to ally yourself with something that's deeper and more profound and more lasting. But I, like, I don't think that I am particularly consistently composed and confident. You know, I think I have faith in the truth. It's not the same thing. And, you know. Now, let me just stop sharing there. Now, this is a really interesting video for a number of reasons. One is, I don't know if you can see that there, but he's actually crying. So he's, he's so moved by the concept of being truthful that he cries. But does he lose control? No. Does he suppress it? No. He just cries in front of you, and that's just what he does. Yeah. Secondly, just to hear the emphasis, he's like, I'm not trying to win here. It's about the truth. I'm, I'm dedicated to the truth. What he's putting into words is this kind of thing like, I'd rather lose face. I'd rather look like I lost than stray away from the truth. He's not trying to beat the other person. He's got a faith in the truth, he says. But particularly, I want you to just see, like, he also says, I, I don't believe I'm confident all the time. I think Christian's question before was, what about people who say, you know, they're proud of their self-belief and they're really vocal about it. He was like, yes, yeah, sometimes I am, sometimes not. Like an accurate measure. He didn't say, no, I have no confidence. He didn't go like overt modesty. But he didn't pretend that he's flawless either. But he's also not shameless about it. And that's ironically, I think, the thing that makes him consistently confident. Is that when he's not feeling it, he's shameless about it, which is confidence. He lets you see him, whatever he is, at all the time. And while I don't agree with all his ideas, he's always like this. You can see him carefully searching for the honest words to use. You can see him thinking, listening to the other person carefully, making sure he didn't misunderstand. You see him being as honest as he can be about who he really is and what he believes. He's like that all the time, even... When he's saying things I don't agree with him, I respect him for that. He doesn't hold on to anything unless it is truthful. And as Thomas says, you know, he's so unapologetic. He gets emotional. He doesn't say, oh, sorry, you know, oh, got something in my eyes. He doesn't do that. It's no different to if he was happy. He doesn't rank it any differently. He just continues on as normal. It doesn't even, it doesn't even occur to him to apologize for it. That's why I love that particular clip. That's my one of my favorite clips, the whole clip actually. I can send the links to all these videos as well. But the whole clip is just amazing to watch where you get to see who Jordan Peterson is rather than just what he believes in, what he's trying to teach, but more about him personally. It's fantastic because he doesn't talk about himself enough, I think. Um, so that's Jordan Peterson. And... One of my next guys. This is a guy who I'd say has a lot of natural confidence um, and is naturally charismatic and, and quite strong-willed. But especially lately, he's been quite open and honest. I want you to have a look at that now. 
Here he is, my boy. Me and Jada was reflecting about love. And I asked her, I said, what did she think was, you know, one of the biggest revelations that she had had about love? She said that you cannot make a person happy. And I thought that was a real deep idea. You can make a person smile, you can make a person feel good, you can make a person laugh, but whether or not a person is happy is deeply and totally and utterly out of your control. I remember the day um, I retired. I literally said to Jada, that's it. I retire. I retire from trying to make you happy. I need you to go make yourself happy and just prove to me that it's even possible. And after we cracked the hell up, um, we started talking about, we came into this false romantic concept that somehow when we got married that we would become one. And what we realized is that we were two completely separate people on two completely separate individual journeys and that we were choosing to walk our separate journeys together but her happiness was her responsibility and my happiness was my responsibility and we decided that we were going to find our individual uh internal private separate joy and then we were going to present ourselves to the relationship and to each other already happy, not coming to each other, uh, begging with our empty cups out, uh, demanding that she fill my cups, the cup, and demanding that she meet my needs. Unfair and it's, it's kind of uh, unrealistic and can be destructive to place the responsibility for your happiness on anybody other than yourself. So I think this video I chose more based on what he's saying. Um, but there is some openness there from him. He's giving you a clear insight into his own struggles in the relationship. But what, what was great is to hear how a confident person views a relationship and how he got there. There's responsibility, openness, boundary setting. Uh, there's a humility about the things he got wrong. How he fucked it up at the start and then had to correct it. But you get a sense like how many people do you think actually view a relationship the way he does? You know, most people are like, you are here to make me happy. You know, I need you. Whereas a confident person views it as like, no, we're two separate people walking together, but we got to take care of our own shit and bring that to the relationship already good. Not need the relationship to be fixed and not to try and fix each other. Very important message. Confident people do not do it on their own, but they can. All right. And unconfident people tend to leech off others. They come, like you said, with an empty cup. Right. It's a good way to measure how you are in a relationship with someone. Usually you'll both be very similar in this particular aspect. You know, 
are you coming in with an empty cup or a full cup? Do you have your own shit sorted first or are you looking for them to sort your shit out? You know, and Thomas brings up the point is helping each other is an important part of a relationship. Of course. It's, I mean, if you can't help each other in a relationship and what's really the point of being in one, but it's about knowing that before the relationship you had your shit sorted and after it's over, you'll have your shit sorted too. Okay. Helping each other is like extra, extra bonus. You know, I can live by my values very strongly without my girlfriend there, but I live by them even better with her. You know, she holds me to account on my minor slips that usually by myself I'd let go and I'm still confident in myself. You know, a great example is the, I've been talking about going out to a cafe to do some work on my laptop just to experience what it's like to be the entrepreneur who works at a cafe on his laptop. I just wanted to know what it feels like. It's not actually that great. Um, but I keep putting it off and putting it off and being lazy. And one day I look at my calendar and she's booked it in for me because I kept putting it off. You know, that's supportive. But I don't need her to live by my values. Okay? I don't need her green light to be honest. I don't need her support to be courageous. I can just be more of those things with her and vice versa. You know, but that was the key before I got into my relationship with my now wife is I made the clear like commitment to myself. I'm going to get my shit sort of sorted first while I'm single before I get into a relationship. I'm not going to bring baggage to a relationship. I'm going to bring gifts and then I'm going to find someone who's doing the same. So trying to fix people. Yeah. Very, very difficult commitment to make. Because I thought I was making the commitment to be fucking single forever. I really did. I was like, this is going to be a lifetime's worth of work. So I guess it's just me. But it turned out it was just a few years worth of work. Not actually that bad. Next. I present possibly the most masculine person who's ever lived. Um, that doesn't mean that... Oh, hold on. I don't know why that's happening. Sorry. I thought I had that off. Um, I want you to hear this guy talk about responsibility and, and the importance of suffering and pain. This is, being a man doesn't mean you have to be like this guy, okay? Because this guy is everything on the masculinity dialed up to 10, and that's just his setting. You don't have to be like that. You've got to be you, whatever is authentic there. But it's good to get a sense of what it looks like when it's all on determination, courage, responsibility, all dialed up to 10 all the time. And so for those of you who haven't met this wonderful character yet, I'd like to introduce Mr. David Goggins. Um, Let me just see, I'll listen to about a minute's worth of him. All right, here we go. I got caught nigger every day of my life growing up, um, living in a small town. The, uh, one of the, high ups in the KKK son sat behind me in two classes. So he called me nigger all the time. Got my first car. They spray painted nigger. We're going to kill you on it. And I was weighing like 297 pounds. So I was just an insecure, scared kid. But the best thing that happened to me, no one helped me. I had to figure out I wasn't going to be a punk kid all my life. So the only way I could turn around was to suffer. I had to build calluses in my brain same way I built calluses on my hands. So I broke against the world's record for pulps a long time ago, but I felt it twice. And I did 67,000 pull-ups in trying to break this record. So to do 4,030 pull-ups 
I had to do 67,000 for training for that. Wow. And so what I realized is for me to become the man I wanted to become, I saw myself as the weakest person God ever created. But I never blamed God for anything he did to me. So I wanted to change that to be the hardest man ever created. Am I that? I don't know, but you had to have a goal. And my goal when I was sitting there, not going to school, being bullied, being, having no self-esteem, my goal was the only person that's going to turn this person around. Me. I was so driven. And I'm not, not going to say motivated because motivation is crap. Motivation comes and goes. When you're driven, whatever's in front of you will get destroyed. Okay. Music makes it a bit more epic, I think, as well, which is nice. Um, so, again, a lot of the principles suffering builds you. He's shameless about his failures and his weaknesses. He sees failure as important. He does have the Guinness World Records for pull ups, by the way, 4,000 something in 12 hours. It's just insanity. I can do like 12, you know, I just can't even comprehend. Um, I love the little bit where he says something along the lines how he's like the weakest person ever, but he doesn't blame God for that. He said, well, it's my job to deal with it, basically. And I'm not saying going and being hard is what confident people do. But that sort of dedication to I'm responsible for turning this around, nobody else. I have to do it all myself and I have to suffer to do it. Like you said, I've got to build calluses on my brain. You know, I mean, if you ever watch like a lot of his stuff, you can see like, holy shit, there is no way anybody could ever phase this guy. He's completely unfazable, but not psychopathic. It's not like he doesn't feel anything. There's a great part of that, um, that whole interview that he's in there, not the hyped up version we saw, but the full one where he talks about how he's happy, but you can't see it. He's like, I do feel things. I feel happiness and sadness and stuff, but you, you can't tell because I'm just, I'm in control. You know, he's a great example of someone who's like, okay, it's my job to fix all this shit. And I, if I have to suffer to fix it, then that's what I'm going to do. In fact, I'm going to choose it. Confident people don't take the easy way out, the comfortable way. They don't blame others or wait for others to do shit for them. Right. But he had trainers, he had a team, he, he took on support from others, but it was his responsibility to get that support. Which is different to like leaning on people and needing them. Cool. Yeah, and it's interesting because at the start he says, I'm going to be the hardest man ever. That was his original goal. And then by the time he actually gets there, he's not really concerned whether or not he achieved it. And it's quite often a transition I see in people building their confidence. It's first they're like, I'm going to be the best whatever. And then by the time they actually are the best, they're not measuring that anymore. That's just what got them out of the gate. And it's kind of a transition with confidence. First, it's very goal-oriented. Achieving things, small things over time, proving things to yourself, busting down barriers, overcoming challenges deliberately, purposefully. And then after a while, it blends more into valued living and integrity kind of way of being once you've proven yourself to yourself and once you've fixed your major flaws kind of thing. Um, and he's a great example of that. Actually, a lot of these people are. Russell Brand is another good example. He, like, killed it goals-wise with his career, and now he's less interested in that and more interested in living with integrity. He's kind of like, there's, like, phases that people go through. 
All right, got a few more. Appreciate you guys staying with us, but um, took me ages to find good people, so I got really obsessed with it. Next, gonna bring in some females because you don't have to be a man to be confident, of course. One of my favorites of all time, Brene Brown. Let's have a listen to her. Couple minutes. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about my TEDx Houston talk. I woke up the morning after. Ah, for the, do you guys know who Brene Brown is? Okay, you really should. Um, in terms of understanding shamelessness, she's uh, the best role model for that. But to give you some background to this, she did a TED talk earlier which blew up. It's one of the top three TED Talks ever watched on being vulnerable. And so that's what she's referencing here when she talks. I forgot to say that. Um, she was worried about 500 people seeing it. I think it's up to something like 40 million now. After I gave that talk, with the worst vulnerability hangover of my life. And I actually didn't leave my house for about three days. The first time I left was to meet a friend for lunch. And when I walked in, she was already at the table and I sat down and she said, God, you look like hell. I said, thanks. Um, I feel really, I, I'm, I'm not functioning. And she said, what's going on? And I said, I just told 500 people that I became a researcher to avoid vulnerability and that when being vulnerable emerged from my data, as absolutely essential to wholehearted living, I told these 500 people that I had a breakdown. I had a slide that said breakdown. At what point did I think that was a good idea? And she said, I saw your talk live streamed. It was, it was not really you. Um, it was a little different than what you usually do, but it was great. And I said, this can't happen. YouTube, they're putting this thing on YouTube, and we're going to be talking about 600, 700 people. And she said, well, I think you know, it's too late. And I said, let me ask you something. And she said, yeah. And I said, do you remember when we were in college and really wild and kind of dumb? She said, yeah. And I said, remember when we leave a really bad message on our ex-boyfriend's answering machine? then we'd have to break into his dorm room and then erase the tape. And she goes, uh, no. <laughs> so of course the only thing I could think of to say at that point was, yeah, me neither. Uh, that, 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 yeah, I don't, yeah, me neither. I... Now that, that clip is mostly just to introduce you to her. And I really recommend you watch her two TED Talks. That one, Listen to Shame, another one on Power of Vulnerability. But I want you to notice the, the playfulness with which she described a very painful experience. I mean, she was in a house for three days with a chronic like shame hangover, as she calls it. Anxiety and basically a panic attack. Notice how she talks about it without shame. To a huge audience now knowing that this is probably going to go to millions of people as her first one did and it feels like she's on stage but you feel like you're you're in a conversation with a close friend you know she just talks like she would normally talk this isn't like a public speaker presentation it's just talking you know 
And often the best public speakers are like that because they're just vulnerable and authentic when they talk. Um, she's a great example of what shamelessness, shamelessness looks like and about the values of acceptance and love and vulnerability. There's more feminine values that are important to confidence. She's totally accepting of being fucked up. You don't have to not be fucked up. You have to be okay with being fucked up. That's what confidence really is. You know, and, and we get with the, I guess her and David Goggins are like the counterpoints. David Goggins is hard masculinity. She's hard femininity. And he's all about destroying everything in your way, which is helpful to some aspect. And she's all about accept everything that, about who you are. You get that combination right, you've got confidence, responsibility, acceptance. Thomas says, um, vulnerability hangover is a recognizable concept. wonder how that works. She talks a lot about it in her first TED talk. Um, you'll get a sense of it. But basically it's that, it literally feels like a hangover the next day after you've been more honest than you usually are and more vulnerable than you usually are. You know, you reveal a big secret the next day, you're like, oh my God, what the fuck did I do? Shit, what's going to happen? Um, that's actually one of the, going back to David Goggins, that's the kind of suffering you have to go, to go through to be confident. Like I remember the first time I talked about erectile dysfunction in front of a crowd, when I was going home that day, my hand was shaking a bit. I was like, oh, that might have been a bit too far, actually. Fuck. But that's, that's the kind of price you have to pay. Because after you heal from that hangover, you're like bulletproof from that particular thing. Just got a couple more for you guys. Short ones. And this next one is... Actually, we're getting a bit short on time, so I'm just going to skip to the last one because he's just like my favorite person in the world. And that is... Jim Carrey. So to give you some background into this particular one, um, this is an excellent video. Uh, it's called Comedy Actors Roundtable. Sasha Baron Cohen, or Borat as you probably know him, a few others and Jim Carrey are talking about, like honestly what it's like to be one of the top kind of actor comedians in the world and the, what it's like in that level of life. I just want you to hear what Jim Carrey has to say about it. Let's make sure I'm in the right spot here. Comes on in a minute. Is. I think that fame thing is a tricky thing. I mean, I'm having trouble with it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Tell me, kids, don't come to Hollywood. You can't stay. I mean, you had it you know, on such a grand scale. All of a sudden, you were the biggest movie star in the world, and and, and your paychecks and, and all of it were were public. And I imagine getting out of a car was being swarmed with. And 90% myth as well. So that's a tough thing to deal with. What does that feel like? People what does create your life. Yeah. You take elements like that are true and they put it in an article so that the article looks, looks legit and yet there's so much of the article that isn't true. So that's something to kind of teach you that, hey, you know what, in order to go forward, I have to let go of what this creation is. And I ultimately found that even the me I created wasn't real, so uh, that left me in an odd, precarious situation. <laughs> and I've been writing and creating about that for a very long time. Uh -huh. Many of the things I do are, have to do with the disappointment of creating a, a winning personality in the world, and then eventually, you know, for your own sanity and freedom, letting it go. Is there I mean, some... there's Fawn sitting right here. Yeah, yeah right. I speak to that, right? right. Okay, that's a little bit of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So Jim Carrey is one of my favorites for who he's become. And he's also one of the ones I resonate with the most because uh, for me personally, growing up, I used comedy as, as my, my kind of coping mechanism. So I was the funny kid in class and the funny one of my friends. And I created this persona of being a funny guy. And he did the same thing. And, and what he talks about there is that kind of disappointment of that persona and letting go. And what, what I love about that clip and a lot of his more recent stuff is just he admits to being a total fraud to everybody who ever loved him. You know, he's basically saying everything he loved about me was an act. It was all bullshit. And he's just admitting that. He's choosing integrity over popularity. Now, ironically, that makes him even more lovable, of course, but you can sort of clearly see that's not really his intention. He's, he's had a, an awakening um, around identity and he's trying to work through that. Um, and he's not trying that hard with movies and stuff anymore. He's just kind of more focused on this discovery process. But he's a great example of being sort of humble and invulnerable in his honesty, being very passionate about something. Um, and also somebody whose success was originally driven by obsession and insecurity. And now he's actually continuing to ride that wave, but he's switched to being vulnerable and honest. At least it appears to be so. You can never tell with public figures. Um, so those are just some examples, some clips from some people that I'd say are pretty trustworthy role models for confidence. Other examples you might want to look up are Prince Harry. I kind of like that guy. Um, the Judge Gary from MasterChef Australia. He, he strikes me as quite a confident guy. Keanu Reeves, Tom Hanks, Tom Hardy, Joe Rogan. Um, Chuck, I can never say his last name, Chuck Palahuniak, the guy who wrote Folk Fight Club. These are people where I observe them as demonstrating a lot of the principles we talked about at the beginning and being quite consistent with those. But ultimately, in the end, comparison with other people is not actually that helpful. We don't know if what we're seeing is real or an act. We don't even know if their type of confidence relates to our own. And ultimately, in the end, it's when you stop comparing that you've got it sorted. When you've decided what it is for yourself and other people's version is no longer relevant to you, that's when it's really sorted out. And what you get is with role models like this is actually more like validation. You're like, oh, yeah, that guy I look up to, he does that thing too. I thought that might be it. You know, I get that when I interview like quite confident people for my podcast and they'll say, oh, I do this because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I do that too. Classic. I'm like, okay, maybe I am on track with this thing. Because somebody I respect and look up to has come to the same conclusions. But rather than working from them, I got to those conclusions myself and then found people like that who are living this way and also the antithesis. I see that I am not like Donald Trump or Kim Kardashian in almost any way. You know. I compare my behavior and what appears to be intentions, my goals, what I'm trying to do with the world. It's like the opposite of all the people that I also consider to be very low in confidence. So it's correlation more than cause and effect. It doesn't necessarily prove anything, but what I'd suggest is rather than going by my list and my examples is actually use this webinar as a blueprint to design your own. 
What are your general principles? What do you think real confidence should look like? You know, whether you're doing it now or not, whether it's something to aspire to or something to maintain, um, what do you think you'll see? And what do you think it looks like when it's not real, when it's fake? Or what does not being confident look like? You know, and have that list really clearly written now, not just a jumble of vague ideas in your head, but an actual a kind of like a principles or a code of honor or just a measurement system. How much was I like that today? And if you find that when you are really consistently like that, you really love yourself and you love your life, then maybe you're onto something. You know? What I'd say is the key principle is that nobody else should be able to control this thing. Okay. While our principles of confidence may differ and you may have your own ideas and that's fine. What's right for you is right for you. It doesn't have to be the same as mine. I'd really avoid anything that depends on external variables, rich, famous, popular, liked, respected, whatever. These are all things that require somebody else's involvement in their personal choices and preferences. External success, money in the bank, all these things that you don't really control. I suggest whatever your principles are, it does not have those things on it because if it requires those things, somebody else can take them away from you. And if someone can take it away from you, how can it be confidence? Right. So, any final thoughts from you guys there? Uh, Thomas says, do you know of any public figures who overcome the more observer type people pleasing? Brené Brown, great example. Very introverted. Uh, she'll tell you that herself. Very much a back, I mean, she's a researcher. That's a, in the background kind of a job. You know, she hides behind the, the presentation and the, and, the, and the results and findings. Um, yeah, she's a great example of that. Bill Gates, very introverted. Believe it or not, very much in the background. Um, but you can watch interviews with him, him and his wife, uh, Melanie, I think it is, Melissa, I can't remember. Um, there's a few, and, and there's, I, I made a list, somewhere I've got a video, it's called um, Being Introverted is Not the Same as Being Shy, or something like that, and I talked about a few role models that I looked up who are all quite introverted, maybe the observer type, the background wallflower type, but still quite confident. You know, and the thing is, there's nothing about being introverted or wallflower that deprives you of confidence because a confident person doesn't need to be seen anyway. However, if you're afraid of being seen, then that's something you need to do to work on your confidence. If courage is one of your principles. Right. Like for the extroverted type, what they need to be working on is the, having the courage to not be seen. You know, that's something I struggled with a lot. I was actually quite extroverted and not being center of attention, not being the funniest guy in the room, not being the smartest kid in class. I had huge insecurities about that. I was a massive overachiever and kind of like dominated by force socially. So one of my biggest pieces of work is always to step back, let others shine. Even this webinar, I played other people instead of me, you know, and sort of promoted the strengths of others. Um, that's like this daily things like that I had to do to kind of step back from the limelight. You know, you can see in my job that that insecurity still comes through. I mean, I've got a job where I'm like putting myself in the limelight all the time. 
and I have to step back little times, interview other people for my podcast, for example, let my clients talk and listen to them carefully. There's little things I have to do to just ease back on the showing off when I feel like, like straying into that insecure region. You know? But also making sure I speak up the times when I really don't want to. That's when I really do have to step up, you know. And you see, there's a lot of this resonated with me. People I've met in my life who hide behind arrogance, sociopathic aggression, etc. Yeah. Bullies are often the most appearing to be confident, but I, I, I came to a conclusion the other day, there is no such thing as a confident bully. It's a paradox. I cannot, I cannot occur. An oxymoron, I think it's called. You know, if someone's confident, they won't bully. And if they bully, then it's because they're insecure. You know, senior management. Management's a great example of you don't need to be confident to rise up to the top. And if, if sociopathic, fucked up people rise to the top of a company, it's because the company is sick. And it's the same thing where you get like Trump or you get Hitler. It's the, the people who rise to the top are a reflection of what's happening at the bottom or in the middle. You know, someone like Trump couldn't rise to the top in a place like oh, modern day Germany. You know, he'd get laughed out of the elections. But America is revered, looked up to. The biggest showman of them all. You know, big orange clown, I think someone called him. It's just a reflection of how the country feels about itself. They want to feel good. They want to be entertained. They're desperate for instant gratification. He provides all of those things. Now, I'm not saying Hillary Clinton was any better. In fact, the fact that the two of those rose to the top just gives you a sense of how fucked up things are. They haven't had a good leader in quite some time. Not even one available to choose from, you know. And a lot of countries are like that. Their leadership is a reflection of their self-image as a country. You know, it's interesting. You go somewhere like, uh, I've been to Southeast Asia a lot. Go to, like, say, Thailand, where everything's corrupt and fucked up at the top. Well, the people at the bottom are very kind of, like, insecure and, and have low self-esteem, it seems to me. They just sort of lie back and take it. You know, they're just like willing slaves. So that from top to bottom, it's all sick, you know. But uh, ultimately, I think, like I said, the, the great leaders are the ones who weren't trying to be, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing with politics. Well, I, there's a reason there was like no politicians in my list. It's because I believe it's absolutely a disqualifying um, variable. If you want to be a politician, you shouldn't be allowed to be one. You know, the very fact that you're trying to get into that position means that you're going to be terrible for that position. You know, I really think that leaders should just be plucked out by force. You know, they get nominated by others and they don't even aware it's happening. It's just like, I know this guy is such a good guy. And they should just be like, you have to be prime minister now. I think you get a much better government out of that than you do out of people who want to be in government. Just like you get the person who's offered the position of manager because all the staff love him and he's motivated and gets a job done. It's so much better as the guy who's trying to be manager. You know, unfortunately, that's not how it works. But that's not the measurement scale. 
the manager might be winning over the person he manages, but the person he manages might be content, satisfied, respect himself, love himself, love his life. Yeah. Exactly. Like Thomas says, Plato, philosophers are best leaders because they don't care about leading. He says, Socrates is the smartest person because he knows he doesn't know anything. Alrighty guys, let's wrap it up there for today. And uh, appreciate you guys coming along live. I have the recording out soon. And I recommend you, you jump in the, the Facebook group and you know have some debates maybe about what confidence looks like. Present people you think are role models, ask for everyone's opinion on it. You know, that would be a good kind of discussion for us to have more often. So here's a guy who thinks confident, let's debate it out. And then get a sense of what confidence looks like outside of yourself, what it looks like to view it. Because it's hard to see it in yourself. You can actually be quite confident without seeing it. You know, like, like David Goggins, by the time he was probably the hardest man in the world, he wasn't really looking at that anymore. He couldn't see it. You've got to look him up, by the way, if you don't know him. He does ultra marathons for fun. He's been through like Navy SEALs training by choice twice. He's the only person who's ever done that. He's just a fucking beast. Anyway, <clears throat> I'll see you guys soon, yeah? All right. Thanks again for coming along live. Catch you next time. Thanks, guys. See ya. Cheers, mate.